Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 271. This week we're talking with Doug Search about God's Word, getting started, and vision beyond ourselves. He was sitting there, I kind of looked at him and chuckled, and was like, you know, if I just stayed on my bike when I was younger, that would have been me. And the Lord said, Doug, that could still be you. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. We provide ways for you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. And if you like this podcast and you'd like to have one yourself, I would love to help you get started. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. We have a lot to talk about this week, but before we do, I would like to say a quick welcome to Mark, Kira, Mike, Co, Micah, Sophia, Rena, Geraldine, another Rena, Garen, Heidi Alazia. Papa, Sarah, Joshua, Amawaka, and Christy, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page, and I certainly hope that I got all of your names pronounced correctly. If you'd like to connect with us on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash engagingmissions. This week, I'm also going to have for you another opportunity to join the conversation with a question of the week coming after our featured segment. I would like to take a moment to pause and thank our sponsor, Love Never Fails International. Love Never Fails International is a Christian organization on a mission to break poverty over the children of India through community outreach centers, education, feeding, clothes, healthcare, mentorship, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sponsorship doesn't just alleviate the symptoms of poverty. It puts kids on a path out of it. As a sponsor, you'll help provide a safe place for children and become part of a team impacting the life of a child. Love Never Fails International is asking for our help with their child sponsorship program. It's really easy. It makes a significant impact, and you can cancel at any time. For more information, head over to engagingmissions.com love to learn more. From the there, you can select a child, commit to a $39 a month commitment, and then as you watch your child grow, you can grow with them. You'll even get updates and letters from your child about their progress. Would you pray today about sponsoring a child in India with Love Never Fails International? Thanks again to Love Never Fails International for their sponsorship of the Engaging Missions Show. All right, today we have with us Doug Search of Biking for Bibles. He's a pastor and missionary who spent five years in Israel, about five years in South Africa, ministering throughout Africa. Now he's in New Zealand, but continuing to minister throughout Africa using Mega Voice Audio Bibles. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is absolutely my pleasure. So you've been, in, in my mind, kind of all over the place with a really strong focus on the Bible. What led to your love of the Bible? Oh boy, the love of the Bible came. I've always had a desire when I heard people teach and when they taught with authority. That was one thing. And it's God's word as well. When he gets to your heart, you get this passion 
if you if you want to hear his voice and that's what the bible is it's it's literally in black and white what he's given us to read it's like his the word is his love letter left for us and said here my child i want you to read what i've left you in this book in this manual in this map in this conglomeration of things and stories that i want you to account that i want you to know when did that passion begin to really grow in your life? I had a, a pastor in New Jersey who had a passion for the word, yet he was restricted in teaching some things because of the type of fellowship that it was. But he inspired me to go to Bible college or made me think if I go to Bible college, I'll know the Bible that well. And that's what brought me from New Jersey out to Colorado. And then you, you went to Bible school from the U.S. You went to Israel. Did, did you always have a sense that Israel was in your future? In some ways, I did. When I was in Colorado and the church that I found taught the Bible verse by verse from Genesis to Revelation. And while doing that and hearing how much of it was about Israel and it actually being in context about Israel and seeing their failures and their successes and their more failures and things like that, it's like, man, I'm so much like Israel. It's not even funny. And then there just happened to be a day that seemed like the Lord was speaking, no audible voice, you know, just the impression that that's a place someday, Doug, that I will have you be a part of. And I didn't know, I thought that meant, you know, I'd meet some Jewish people in the States. I mean, I I knew some from living in New Jersey and working at a Jewish community for a while, working on homes of theirs and stuff. So I just, somehow I just knew it would be something with Jewish people, but I didn't know where and what that context was at the time. So how how long was it from when you first started to have that sense until you actually said, okay, it's, it's time, it's time for us to go. Well, it was a, it was a 12 year period. Okay. Yeah, it was a 12 year period. And We had people who came to the church who were Jewish, who were uh, Messianic Jews. And, you know, anytime anybody walked through the door and I found out they were Jewish, I was like, do you want to go to lunch? Do you want to go to dinner? Let's have a coffee. Because I thought, this is it. This is what the Lord's doing. And I did that with everybody who came through. And a year went by, two years went by. And I'm like, I just kind of put it to the back burner and left it. But again, 12 years later, an opportunity came up to actually go do something. It was totally, in some ways, off my radar. I mean, it was always in the background, but I wasn't pursuing and I wasn't looking for something to happen. Is that an opportunity that we can talk about on this show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let's do that. I'd, I'd love to know more about what, what that was. Okay, I spent those 12 years. I was in Colorado, and while living in Colorado, had the opportunity or not even the opportunity, uh, I was afforded the opportunity to do very well in business Mm. in Colorado while I was there. And that being said, the Lord gave me opportunity to, to have wealth in abundance in some ways. And I, I honored him with my 10%, Mm -hmm. but I didn't honor him with my heart with everything. And at one point the business uh, started to go downhill and then I realized, Lord, it's easy to, to, to give you 10%. That's not the issue, but uh, I blew it. Hmm. 
and again, he allowed me to build the business back up, but then he asked me to move to North Carolina. In the process of moving to North Carolina, you know, I had a pastor who said to me, Doug, I don't know if you should be doing that. I mean, you're doing so well here. And, hmm. you know, I don't know if that's God's will for you, but you're, you're the only one who knows. And I knew I was supposed to go because that's what the Lord said and had no clue where I was going, what I was going to be doing, what job I would have. So we packed up and left and went to, to North Carolina. And that all being said, I went to North Carolina in obedience and ended up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And at another church there, the same kind of church, doing verse-by-verse teaching through the Bible that they're known for. And while there, heard about a Bible college that I wanted my son to go to. He was growing up and he was getting to the point of wanting to go to school. And I urged him, I wanted him to go to Bible college before he went to secular university or college. Hmm. In that pursuit, uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College came up that was out in Murrieta, California. And I went onto the website to find out some information to provoke him to go there. And while I was on that website, up on the menu bar, there was a little thing there that said Jerusalem teaching site. And of course, bang, there's Israel. Hmm. And what I did is I told my son about it. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. What else do you know? And I'm like, well, I don't know anything. So I made a phone call. (laughs) And little did I know they put that up there as a, a feeler. They were testing the waters to see what kind of responses they would get. Hmm. And after talking to the director of this whole thing for the for the Bible college and the Bible colleges throughout the world, he happened to be the pastor at the church that I was going to now in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He had left two years earlier, and I didn't know that. He happened to be the pastor at that very same church. <laughs> And we started, of course, you know, that's happenstance, what the Lord does. Yeah. And he said, well, we're, we're just throwing this Bible college out there in this Jerusalem teaching site to see who's, who's interested and see if it's going to fly. So after about a month speaking about it, I said, well, I'm willing to volunteer. You know, I don't have a whole lot more to offer. My business in North Carolina became somewhat successful. As well, with my wife, she was working at the time. She finally decided she didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom anymore. Hmm. The kids were grown and just wanted to get out into the real world, so she did. And we both did pretty well, so it afforded me the opportunity to go for three months at a time, a semester. But that being said, I didn't have the qualifications. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't have the qualifications to be the director of the Bible college there. One of the things that I didn't know was that you needed to be an ordained pastor, Hmm order to take on the position. So it was only a matter of a week or so after saying, you know, I'll volunteer. I think the Lord's saying, go ahead. This is that opportunity. And again, I still didn't know about being an ordained pastor for them. Um, The pastor in North Carolina came to me and said, Doug, you know, I just feel like you've been doing the work of a pastor here for years. And granted, you're not going to be the senior pastor. I am. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't say it. He didn't say it mean or anything. At all. He didn't. He was just saying, you know, I'm the one the Lord's asked to, to fill this pulpit most time. But if you would, you could fill at any point in time. That would be great. That would be one of your responsibilities. And then also take on a load of the counseling at the church. Hmm. So he said, but I feel like the Lord is saying that you should be ordained. And he says, I'm not doing it because you need the title because you're already doing it. But I think you I think the title is going to afford you more clout, more opportunity 
for whatever reason. And little did I know when I talked about two weeks later to the guy at the Bible college, he says, well, Doug, you know, we've been praying about this. We really want to take you on, but we've got one thing. You need to be an ordained pastor. I'm like, well, that happened, you know, (laughs) weeks ago. And next thing you know, I'm four months later, I'm on a plane going to Israel where I've never been before. And was there for the better part of five years. Wow. And did your did your family go with you? Was it just you commuting? How did that work? I went the first time to feel it out. My wife at the time, my, my first wife, she she ended up passing away with brain cancer. But at the time, she was like, you know, I just don't feel like I should go this time. Maybe it's something you need to to get the bugs worked out. Hmm. And then I'll come along as as it works itself out. So I went the first semester by myself. And then we had um, 13 students who came and it was a trial run. I mean, I literally got off the plane and had no idea. In my email, it said, catch a cheroot, which is a taxi, Hmm. into Jerusalem and go into the Jaffa Gate and knock on some doors so we can find a place to have the students stay. Because we didn't even have one secured yet. So that's what I did. I got off the plane. I found out what a cheroot was and went to Jerusalem, went through the Jaffa Gate and uh, knocked on a couple of doors that were listed in the email. And none of them worked out quite the way they were supposed to. So I was just sitting on the curb, praying, looking out over the old city and just saying, Lord, these students are coming in two days. So we need a place and you didn't send us here for nothing. And I knocked on the door of a, of a hotel and told it, I went upstairs and said, how much is a room? And this is my situation. He says, well, you're not going to, you guys aren't going to sleep on the streets. You come, we'll make it work out. We'll discuss price and stuff later, which can be a good thing and a bad thing, (laughs) but it ended up working out extremely, extremely well. The Bible college has, was there now for 10 years. They just moved because the hotel was sold. To another entity and we couldn't stay the, the Bible college couldn't stay there. So, but anyway, this Muslim man who is the owner uh, or the manager of the hotel took us on and we stayed there, like I said, for 10 years. Wow, man, that is yeah. an incredible story of provision. And I'm encouraged by the way that you walked in faith. And I'm, I'm wondering are there other ways that you've seen God provide for you in unexpected ways over the last decade or two? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just even with the Israel thing, I mean, after the first week of being there and I was as green as the students were (laughs) on where to go. So I just ran the streets looking for where's the Mount of Olives. Where's the garden of Gethsemane. Where's the garden tomb? Where's the wailing wall. Where's, All of these places that I knew that we would be covering under the life of Christ, because the syllabus that we had was all four Gospels taught chronologically at the same time. So the harmony of the Gospels, and we would go through the life of Christ in 88 days, verse by verse. And that's what we did. And it took place in different places. So if we came to the spot where we talked about, you know, the Mount of Olives, I would tell the students, tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, meet me up at the Mount of Olives. Or we'll walk up together. If you guys want to go early, go early. And that's what we did. So, but anyway, that being said, when we first started out, we did not have a classroom. We didn't know anybody. We had nothing to work with. So we just meet out on the lawn in a park up at the Mount of Olives, over at the Garden Tomb, all of these places. And then when the director, 
the fellow that used to be the pastor at the church that I went to, who was the director of the Bible colleges, he came over and said he took the first block of teachings for two weeks. And I said, Dave, we don't have a classroom yet. You know, he emailed before and he says, well, Doug, we're not going to worry about that. The Lord will take care of that. So he was an inspiration. And, and the day we walked out of the hotel, the first day that he was teaching class, I said, Dave, where are we going? Hmm. And we're walking down this long corridor. And he said, Doug, let's just ask God right now what we should do. Father, when we get to the end of this corridor, should we go right or left? We're just going to take this step by step where you direct us, Lord, and where you want us to be having class. If there's those who need to hear or if we just need privacy, what is it that you want, Lord? And when we walk to the end, one of the guys that I had met that helped me carry my luggage up, Hasin, he yelled on the corner to our right. He says, hey, Doug, hey, Doug. And Dave said, we're going that way, Doug. Hmm. And that's what we did. So, I, I mean, he really cemented the, you know what, just let the Lord take care of this. And we walked and talked. I talked to him for about two minutes. And he's like, Lord, where should we go from here? And one of the students said, hey, look at that grass along the wall of the old city. That looks so nice over there. Hmm. That's where we went. So, (laughs) you know, it was really simple. He's like, don't let those things concern you. I don't think Jesus had a classroom, he said. I think they just walked it out. So, and he really taught me a lot. And that's how we did everything from that point on, because I watched the Lord that day. Something really simple, but so profound, a man who just said, God, what would you like us to do and walked in it and trusted him to answer? I just, I never looked back. So that was pretty profound for me. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's, that's profound for me just listening to it. It must've been so much different to live through it as well. We've been kind of, I think, dancing around the idea of your love for God's word and the importance of knowing it. But I'm wondering what have you seen God do when people really begin to focus on knowing God's word deeply? Well, their heart changes towards him. It's not just a perspective or, you know, you're walking this thing out called Christianity or church. It actually becomes this relationship and it really comes down to what am I supposed to be doing for you, Lord? When you fall in love with the word, you can't ignore the fact that it's like a map. It's it's one of those things, and there's a specific verse that almost lays it out, and it's one of the verses that our first week of orientation at the Bible College in Jerusalem, it always ended up being centered around this verse because our students were young. They didn't have you know mortgages. They didn't have cars. They didn't have leases on things. They didn't have Most of them did not have university payments that they were going to be paying back, student loans and things like that. So we we really focused on a specific verse. It was Ephesians 2.10. You know, we all know 8 and 9, for by grace we are saved. You know, it's a gift of God, Mm -hmm. not a works that's any mention both. So we we all know that part. But when you go on to read, it says, for we, Ephesians 2.10 is, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Hmm. So if he's already got works, good works planned for us that we might walk in, we could be coming up with a whole bunch of plans. I said, and saying, Lord, please bless these as opposed to walking in what I always said to him, the pre-blessed plans that God already has. 
He says, I've got stuff I want you to walk in. And you know what? It just came full circle with Dave walking out of that corridor and saying, Lord, do we go right or left? What's your good work today, basically? It's the same thing in life. And we get so much direction from his word. In that particular verse, it basically says we can either go with God's plan that he already has prepared, or we can do our own thing and ask God to bless it, which I, you know what? He's so merciful and gracious that I think a lot of times we get stuck having our plans blessed, but you know, good is the evil of best hmm. in some ways. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that because it's, it's helping me deepen my understanding as well. After, after Israel, you spent some time in Africa. What, what led to that transition? At about the three and a half year mark with the Bible college, I kept saying, I am the most blessed man on the face of this earth to be able to literally go around Israel and teach the Bible. So Mm -hmm. if we talked about David and Goliath on an off subject, we go down to the Valley of Elah and sit. We camped out overnight there. If we were talking about Capernaum, we go up to Capernaum. We go to the Galilee and walk the Galilee and sit in those places and read those verses. So that being said, after about three and a half years, I just felt like I'm the luckiest person on the face of the earth, and maybe I felt guilty. And I'm like, maybe there's somebody else who wants to do this. So I started praying, Lord, if there's somebody else who's supposed to come and experience this, not that I want to give it up and not that I'm trying to, you know that, Lord, you know my heart, but I would do it if you want, Lord, and I don't want to get in the way of what you might have. And literally within about a year, and I made it known to, to the staff back in California, and to the Bible college uh, folks, and they prayed about it as well. They had no inkling, you know, whether I should go or not. It just was up to the Lord. And the Lord brought it about. We had a break in between semesters. And while we were between semesters, we had some folks from South Africa come and visit that we spent some time with and served in some ministries with. And they just kept saying, if you ever need a break, come to our house in South Africa. It's not that far away. It's an easy flight. Everything's covered. We've got rooms. We've got food. We're just, just come, just come. You guys, you guys have been doing it hard. If you need a break, come. And we actually took them up on their offer. We're in South Africa. We went to, we heard that there was a conference there, a missions conference. And, you know, our heart is just, Lord, what are you doing in the world? What about this part of the world? We went there. And while we were there, the Lord put on our heart that we would be going there in, in just circumstances, how the Lord calls that that was the place. And it's like, and even when that happened, it's like, Lord, but what about the Bible college? We don't have anybody yet. And, <laughs> oh, what are you going to do? And little did I know, and the Bible college back in California didn't tell me that there was a man who came affiliated with us, came and said, you know, what? I think I'm supposed to do something with the Bible college in Israel. And they said, well, let's just pray about it. I didn't know that. They didn't tell me that because they didn't want to push me mm-hmm. and, and coerce me into making a decision about something. They said, well, we have somebody, so we don't know how that's going to work out, but let's pray about it. And they did. And then when I called them and said, hey, guys, this push for getting somebody for the Bible college, I think is a reality. We've heard the Lord's call to come to South Africa. And he's like, oh, no problem. Don't worry about it. We got it covered, Doug. Click. And he hung up, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I didn't know. And I had to call him back and say, wait a second, what do you mean you got it covered? Hey, a guy came a month ago and you know what? It's all taken care of. And it's like, thank you, Lord. Exactly. And then went home, 
to prepare and get visas for South Africa. And again, that's the Lord. You just don't get visas handed. You don't get visas for Israel handed to you. Right. Especially Israel. And that's the Lord's provision as well. I mean, I still have right now in my possession and in my passport a visa as a minister in Israel. Hmm. It's good for every 10 years. So, and people die who want to be in Israel, die, will kill you to get your visa if they could. <laughs> really? And somebody, yeah. And somebody just came up to us and said, you know what? You guys are ministering here very well. We'd like to get you a visa. So you don't have to leave in between semesters and go home. Hmm. You can just stay here. And that was one of the Lord's provisions. But the Bible college succeeded, went on, still going on to this day. There's two campuses now, one in the north in the Galilee and one in the in the south. But we went to the, the Lord after about nine months of waiting and applying for visas in our home countries. My wife had to apply for hers in Australia. Hmm. So we got to visit her parents. I had to apply in America, went to see my family. And uh, the Lord worked it out to where we were on our way to South Africa, Man. not knowing where we were going to stay. We had no clue. We didn't know anybody. We went to the conference, met some people there. We just emailed, you know, the five or six people that we knew and said, hey, we're on our way. The Lord's, we're coming. We had no idea where we were staying. We got off the plane and checked our emails when we got internet again. And somebody said, hey, um, I have a friend who has the side of their garage is they made it into a little room, and you guys are more than welcome to stay there if you like. So there we were. <laughs> so w- while you were in Africa, did you continue teaching? What, what did you do there? Yeah, well, I had the heart. I mean, the Lord put on my heart to teach the Word. That's it. There's, there's no specific instructions. I never felt like it would be in a pulpit or behind a pulpit every day or every Sunday, so to say, and be a pastor mm-hmm. of that sort. I never felt that. I mean, I was open to it. I just didn't think that was me. That's not my makeup. I'm more of a on the go and type person. So, but if the Lord wanted to do that, that was fine. But he ended up, I just, I, we went to Africa, South Africa and just teach the word and said, Lord, well then open up doors and found a church to go to there. And they heard our story. And can you, can you share about Israel? with folks here. You know, we have things in common, you know, this what or had in common apartheid and and what's happening in Israel with the Palestinian the Israeli things going on and would you come and talk about Israel? Next thing you know, we were four days a week speaking at home groups and and church meetings, four days, five days a week, just going around and meeting these meetings. And again, we didn't know anybody, but that was how the Lord was getting us to know people as well. So Man, that's that's incredible. We're, we're going to need to skip ahead. I'd love to spend more time in Africa, sure. but I want to make sure also that we get some time to talk about biking for yeah. Bibles, because that's what you've got going on right now. So can you share with us what, what's biking for Bibles all about? Biking for Bibles came about, I, I had a another program that developed while in Africa called Through the Bible. So a verse by verse teaching through the Bible. Hmm. Africa has a large number of untrained pastors that are out there calling themselves pastors and teaching whatever it is they make up (laughs) is, is that's, that's the gist of it, or just have totally wrong interpretation and understanding of the Bible. You know, it's a lot of it is about prosperity and how you gain God's favor and how you command God to do things. And, you know, if you say it hard enough and long enough and loud enough, he'll come through for you type thing. And 
I just had this heart of, Lord, how do we get your word to these folks and, and to these guys who need to be trained? So I came up with a program called Through the Bible, which is verse by verse teachings through from Genesis to Revelation to be able to put in these guys' hands, put them in their ears, so to say. So they, I can give them an SD card and they can stick it in their, their phone or their player or whatever it was. Or if they had internet, they can go online and listen to these things. So that's what came about in Africa. And now Biking for Bibles came about while I was in New Zealand because applying for a visa here in residency, I was not allowed to work. And I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do while I'm waiting? Because it was a nine-month waiting period. So I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And one day as we were driving to visit a friend, I seen this old fellow like me, older guy in his fifties, riding a bike up a big hill. And he was, he got to the top. You could tell he was exhausted and he was sitting there. I kind of looked at him and chuckled and it's like, you know, if I just stayed on my bike when I was younger, that would have been me. And the Lord said, Doug, that could still be you just in a simple, I didn't have an audible voice. It was just this chuckle. And I'm like, what do you mean, Lord? I would love to get back on my bike. Because I, in my younger days, when I first got out of high school, I got on my bicycle and rode from New Jersey to Florida and, and back and all what? that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> A whole nother story. Yeah. Just, just to get out of New Jersey and be able to work year round. I thought if I go to Florida, the weather's there is pretty good year round. Little did I know that the pay was half the pay. Oh. But, <laughs> but, I, but I had no way to get there other than riding my bike. I didn't have a car. Couldn't okay. afford one. So anyway, that being said, so I had a love for riding my bike and I thought, wow, Lord, what do you mean? Get on a bike? How's that going to, uh, how do I share your word on a bike? Mm-hmm. You know? And then I had this through the Bible program that I developed and put together for Africa. And it's like, you can just raise awareness about the through the Bible program with, and you know, everything came along from there, biking for Bibles. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. So These devices, and it's grown into something more at this point. Yes, I have the the, the 323 teachings from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, that are on there by a pastor named Chuck Smith. He just teaches very slow. He has a clear voice. And for people who have a second language, you know, English as a second or third language, they can actually understand him. He doesn't talk fast like me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, he's got a very clear and understanding voice. So he teaches through this program and people just basically sit down and take notes. That's what these students would do is sit down and listen to the teaching, then it would be discussed. So that being said, I've got these devices that have that on it, but it changed, the focus changed after going to Ghana and Uganda and Kenya and Ethiopia and Nigeria, all of these places. In one conference in particular in Ghana, there was a pastor's conference. And it happened to be a Calvary Chapel Bible training center in Ghana that a fella started about 20 years earlier. A fella from the States went to to Africa. He felt the call, said, I need to teach the word, kind of like me. So I really understood the story. And he found four guys who were willing to sit down and go through the Bible. And they just got a heart for the word. When they heard it explained and expounded upon, they just absolutely loved it. And they went through the whole Bible. And this fellow who runs the Bible Training Center in Papizi, Ghana, he started a training center on his own, and it graduates 210 students each time. But what happens is these students leave the Bible Training Center, they go back to their village. It's all funded and paid for by folks 
around the world mm. so that these guys can come for free because the cost they couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. So these guys would go back home to their villages and to their areas of influence and where they came from all around Ghana. So Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, Togo, Nigeria, Cameroon, Senegal, all around that area. They would go back and they would be missionaries themselves and go out to the outlying villages. And people would come to Christ who don't read because they've never been afforded an education. So you could hand them a Bible. It would mean nothing to them. Right. They don't have a pastor because these are, these guys are going on their own little itinerant trip. So they don't get back for six or eight weeks at a time to these different places. And here's people who've come to Christ and there's nobody there. So what the guys have told them is, well, just wait until we come back. We're hoping to be back in six weeks, 12 weeks, some of them. And we'll talk to you again then, but come back and pray to God through Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. And these are brand new converts, never heard a thing. And they're sitting right now for six and eight weeks, 12 weeks, possibly for, for one particular group. And they don't have a pastor. They don't have somebody preaching to them and they don't even have the word of God. And what Hmm. mega voice has done is given me the opportunity to put it on these solar powered devices Put a Bible, and there's been somebody who's gone through and translated and has audibly recorded a Bible in their language or a common language. You know, like in, in the Congo, it would be French as a common language, Swahili for Kenya and Tanzania. You know, it's, it's like a common thing. So a lot of 4,600 different languages and dialects have been recorded by Mega Voice. So right now, I'm going to Africa in two weeks. And I'm bringing 60 devices and 37 of those devices are for people who do not have a pastor and do not have a Bible Hmm. at all. And now they're going to be able to listen to the word of God in between somebody coming out and talking to them in whatever the six or 12 weeks, somewhere between that period. So they're going to be able to listen to the word of God. And on those devices as well, I put, I put children's stories that are in their language Hmm. as well. So in the adults will listen to the children's stories just as easily and gladly as they do listening to the Bible in Genesis to Revelation. So that's it. The teachings and stuff like that, that can go by the wayside for them because they're going to be in English and, and in French. Hmm. But if somebody wants to, if they get the Lord puts on their heart that they need to go to training school, we know where there's one and we'll try to get them there. Yeah. So that's biking for Bibles. I just got on my bike the Lord said, get on your bike and I'll take care of the rest. And I got on my bike and I rode 600 kilometers here and 300 there. And along the way, met people and as well had people say, well, would you come share at our church? And I have. And hmm. the Lord's provided a, a number of devices. I'm still short a little bit on on a goal, but that's the Lord knows how many it should be. I don't. That's right. not for me. And I don't ask for money. People come and ask me how can we support this? And I just say, I'd like you to pray. They said, no, 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 we want to support. Cause I never say, you know, well, here's, here's my details. Here's the bank account and something like that. That's not it. <laughs> right. That's not it. If the Lord puts on their heart, then they're going to ask me about what about the money side of things? So, so we just don't ask. We've never, we've never asked and sent out a letter in our lives. My wife and I, my present wife now, after my first wife passed away, We've never sent out a letter saying, would you support us? We have just, where God guides, God provides. It's kind of like a a motto that we go by. If he's the one who's asking us to go, 
he's going to take care of us. So yeah. the ministry is a little bit different. I feel like I could ask, but you know what? I think the Lord will put on people's hearts to to ask, how can I support? So yeah. If somebody's listening right now, and even though we're not asking for money, they're thinking yeah. they might want to be involved. Is Biking for Bibles the place where they would go for that? How how would they how can they partner with you? Yeah, well, they could go, I mean, bikingforbibles.org. That's it. And there's a little blurb there. I'm not a very technical guy, but got a small website and there's a, a donate button for those. And there's also email that they can contact and say, how do I get involved? I've asked somebody, it's like, how can we help raise support? I said, well, let's do a Biking for Bibles in your town. Let's, mm. you know, put it out to the churches and we'll do it. And I'm not just stuck to New Zealand. I just happen to be here because I'm waiting for residency. Mm-hmm. But I'm ready to go back to the States and, and bike around and do the same thing if that's where the Lord directs or, or anywhere, in the, anywhere in the world for that matter. Okay. I just, there's just a need, there's a huge, huge need for people just hearing the word of God. And that the main thing is, is, you know, how do we increase our faith? And if you look in the Bible, there's a few places that kind of mention how our faith grows. Is it by miracles? Well, no. I think it encourages our faith. It can, but it doesn't say that our faith has grown because there's false miracles that happen right. that are out there. But it does say in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's a guarantee. So right. all the more, if somebody wants to grow in their faith, which is a relationship with the Lord and trusting in him and putting their whole confidence and the will of their lives into his hands, it comes by the word of God and being shored up and saying, you know what? God's word says that I'm going to live by that. And the best thing we could possibly do is get the word of God in people's hands. Take that love letter that he has that he said, I want you to read. You know, I hate the, I, I always say this when I get an opportunity to speak, I said, I hate the idea to think that, we have so many Bibles in our houses, you know, in, in some of these countries, in New Zealand, in America, mm-hmm. in South Africa, we have so many Bibles laying around. I'd hate to get to heaven and say to the Lord, sorry, I didn't get a chance to read the letter you left me. I would just hate for that to happen. So I just have this push of, you know what, this is his love letter left to us. This is his guidance, his roadmap, his prescription for health you know, for happiness, for joy, for getting through tough times. It's all of the books that have been printed in the world can culminate how to do business and stuff are found in the word of God. And the best thing that could possibly happen, even to those who are out in the sticks digging for their food in the ground and finding roots to eat and stuff. Persecuted churches on the run. We've got six six of these uh, Bibles are going out to Northern Nigeria, where the villages have been absolutely decimated, pastors been killed, they're on the run. Mm. They don't have a village anymore. They don't have a pastor anymore. They don't read themselves. The pastor did. They're going to get a Bible put in their hands. They're going to be able to find out what does God want me to do because they can listen to it. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, that, that's some that's some pretty deep stuff, and I, I I appreciate your heart in sharing this. It's challenging to me hearing you share your love for for the Bible and me thinking about myself and going, yeah, I maybe need to refresh this a bit. So that's that's good for me. One really burning question that's just been kind of sitting in the back of my sure. mind: your your website says thirty eight hundred kilometers. Where did you come up with that number? Thirty eight hundred kilometers is the coastline 
on the northern island of New Zealand. Mm. So it's really not that much. Like I just I just went on a trip. I went down the heart of New Zealand, right down the center from the middle of New Zealand down to Wellington to the bottom of the North Island. And it was about 600 kilometers and it took a little over six days to do it. But along the way, I got the share everywhere you go. Cause I wear a shirt. This is biking for Bibles and people are like, what is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and staying in a campground in a tent on my bicycle, people will say, what is that? And what are you doing? Cause they see the bags on the bike and, you know, I've got a flag of New Zealand and flag of America. So the flag of America automatically says, so do you like Trump? And <laughs> yeah. And it starts a conversation immediately. Yeah. And I get to tell them what I'm doing. And I just say, you know, I'm raising prayer support and I'm raising financial support so that I can take Bibles to people who don't have them in places who couldn't possibly have them or who don't read and don't write. I'm taking these solar audio devices to these places out in the places that people don't go necessarily. So, and I, yeah. I mean, I've got people who are not believers who have supported five devices. Crazy, hmm. crazy what the Lord does. And just being able to share how good the Lord is. And they're like, boy, I wish I, you know, I used to be a Christian or I was when I was younger and you get to encourage them in their faith. So the Lord's just opened up so many opportunities by just getting out and pedaling. I'm looking forward to doing the rest of it. I, I did the guts of the country and I did part of the coast so far. And when I get back from Africa, I'm going September 16th through October 23rd. I'm going to be in South Africa. I'm going to be in Kenya, Ghana, Tanzania, Lesotho. And then I'll be flying back to New Zealand. And then I'm planning on doing the east side of Africa in January, Lord willing. And everything works out is there. And then I'll do the east side of Africa. And I'm hoping to work myself out of a job, actually. I really would like hmm. to find, I think I found the guy for sure in Ghana, who I don't have to fly back to bring devices and, and to do this. It's something that he can do. But I just want to be able to share with him again and cast the vision of what this is like. I can make sure his heart is towards this because then he can, I don't have to spend $2,000 on a plane ticket to go to that part of the world again, I can send $2,000 worth of devices to churches that need it. Right. So you're to, to these six or seven people who accepted Christ, who don't have anybody coming to them. So, and, right. and, and I hope to go to, to East Africa, to Uganda in the surrounding areas. And I hope the Lord brings that person along. It's kind of like two Timothy two, two, where Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to take the things that you've heard me say, I want you to find faithful men and teach them that they might go out and teach others also. So it's this multiplication process. Paul knew he was on his way out. He was handing the mantle, so to say, off to Timothy and saying, you know what, Timothy? Take him the word. Take him the word. Take him the word and find guys who are going to do the same thing. So I want to do that. I, I'm almost absolutely 100% positive. I just need to hear the yes out of his own mouth in person that he's looking to do this and I won't have to go back to West Africa. I'd love to, but I may not yeah. have to go. And I hope to find the same thing in East Africa and then as well in Southern part of Africa, which I already have somebody that I'm talking to when I go there. And on January on the way back, I plan on swinging through Korea on the way back to New Zealand. And these devices 
can be put in Korean and put on a balloon and when the air and when the when the wind is right they could be going over to North uh, North Korea and and dropping in as well so the ministry can be anywhere yeah in block countries these things can be can be had and be put in somebody's hand man I I love hearing your heart about this especially the thing about two thousand dollars for plane fare because these devices are not exorbitantly priced but they're quality and so it costs a little bit of money so that's that's a significant investment to provide to be able to provide that kind of thing to, to people. So I appreciate that. By the by, the time this is published, you will likely be back from the, your first trip to Africa. You'll be heading back shortly for the second because I think we're looking at November for this. As you think about what's coming in your in your ministry, how can we best pray for you? You know, it's the Lord's guidance and direction. I had no clue, and I'm so excited about that it's going to people who are sitting without a pastor or without somebody to teach them the word of God. So it's, it's kind of, you know, when you walk with the Lord, you know, it says Proverbs 69 says a man plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. And that's exactly what's happening with this. I had no clue. I never thought about getting it to a church, so to say, because the church already has a pastor. A church already has, but then you hear of these guys who left the Bible training center and gone out and evangelized, but they don't have the ability to, to just drive somewhere. Mm-hmm. They don't even have cell phone reception. You know, they, they just, the Lord put on their heart to go out and share Christ with people. And they have, and now people are just sitting and saying, this Jesus that they told me about, that's how we get to heaven. And we love God and, but they don't know anything else. So just hearing the word of God is, is just it, that is super exciting, and there's still guys who are going back from their from the training center to their areas, and they want to translate the training material for others who want to do what they're doing, become missionaries or become pastors. So it's just a, a snowball effect. But you could pray that I don't get in the way of any of this. That's one of the biggest things. It's too easy to to try to take ownership of something or saying, "Look what I have done." Yeah. Like the Israelites did, you know, and God said, Hey guys, don't you forget who I am. I'm the one who got you where you went. You know, it's not by, by your might or by your power that you got here. And it's not by your righteousness. It's just because I'm the one who got you there. According to Deuteronomy eight sixteen. Yeah. You guys don't think you're so special. So I don't want to have that happen. <laughs> and, and this isn't a ministry. If somebody in the state said, you know what? I want to do the same thing. Go ahead. Just do it right and and here are the devices and here's how you can do it and knock yourself out. (laughs) You know, there's no ownership in in any way. So I just don't want to get in the way of something the Lord might want to take and blow up. And I don't want, you know, I don't want this to become something that is like a high rise building. It should just be spread out about an inch deep everywhere as opposed to going up and becoming a corporate thing and buildings. And not that it would ever do that. I'm just saying. My heart is that it actually just flows out. And again, I just work myself out of a job that the Lord would find those people who have the same heart and it would continue. And you know what? And where God guides, God provides. It's not about the money. He's not broke. You know, God's not broken. Uh, And if he needs something somewhere, if we're willing, he will make us able and enable us to do what he's asked us to do. So the thing is, is, is hearing that he's asked us to do it and no 
better place than in the black and white of his word that we have in front of us or the things that we hear. So just to stay out of the way of what the Lord's doing, but to be as much a part of it as he wants and just to be his tool and his vessel and the rest will come. Wow. That that's great. I so connect with your heart on that because that's the same way I feel about this show. I would love to see other shows out there doing this kind of thing. And there are becoming more and more of those because it's important. And I don't just want my voice out there either. So I appreciate your heart for that. For those of you listening, I would encourage you to take a minute right now and pause this and pray for Doug and pray for the ministry of Biking for Bibles and his family and all of those kinds of things for the right people to be in the right place at the right time, because this is God's thing. And so we just want for all of us and whoever should be involved to be connected in such a way that they can. If you want to connect with Doug, we'll have a link for his website, bikingforbibles.org, in the show notes, so you can check those out. And I'd recommend that if you're interested in partnering with him or connecting with him, that's the place to do that right in those show notes. Doug, I want to say just huge thank you to you. I really have appreciated our time together. This has been encouraging for me. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Well, it was my pleasure. I just absolutely love the opportunity to tell what God does and what he wants to do. And guess what? You're not crazy if he asks you to do something. Just be obedient and do it. It's, it may be, I mean, if somebody told me at 53 I would be out riding a bike around New Zealand, I would have thought they were crazy. <laughs> yeah. Just follow the Lord. Be obedient to what he says. He'll take care of the rest. It's never too late. Wow, I really loved what Doug had to say. There are a number of things that really kind of stood out to me, but one that really stuck struck me was Doug's vision to expand without his direct control, his willingness to pass on the baton, if you will, and then his also his willingness to be stretched and to grow some really powerful stories of faith and also of God's goodness. I have a question of the week, and I'm not quite sure if I should call it the question of the week because the show is only every other week, but I'm going to call it that until somebody has a better idea, which if you do, you can send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Here's the question of the week, and this is one of the things that I asked Doug as well. When did the passion for God's word and God's calling begin to grow in your life? You can join the conversation. There's a link in the episode notes for a Facebook post that you can add your commentary right there. I'd love to hear the story of that and so that we can all connect with that together. Again, huge thank you to Doug Search for being with us and also to you for joining us. Episode notes can be found at engagingmissions.com slash Doug Search. That's where you'll be able to connect with Doug. You'll find the links to all of the resources, as well as the link for Love Never Fails International and the link to join that conversation on Facebook. Engagingmissions.com slash Doug Search is the place for all of that. Make sure that you come back in a couple of weeks. We're going to be talking with Carol Van Dyken, who's with Trans World Radio, a relatively unknown ministry that's got some really exciting global reach and some exciting stuff going going on there. If you want to make sure that you haven't done that, the best way to do that is to subscribe to the show at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All the ways to subscribe right there, especially if you're interested in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or traditional RSS feed, email newsletter, all of that stuff right there, engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And if you enjoyed this show or you know somebody who might benefit from it, please help us spread the word. Your recommendation might be what connects somebody with the resources they need that provide encouragement or challenge them to step into something. You might be able to make the difference in somebody's life by sharing this show. So if you would, go ahead and share that with them. One more time, huge thank you for being here. I really appreciate you and I look forward to getting together with you in a couple of weeks.
So now for our bonus segment. I do want to say that I've kind of enjoyed putting some of these together. I'm, I'm not quite sure if you enjoy them or not, but I enjoy doing them, and I hope that they're meaningful to you. If they are, I'd love to hear from you. Send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. A few little updates for you this week. First, I'm recording in my new studio. I think I shared about this the last couple of times. This is what used to be my son's bedroom. We moved him to a different room of the house. I got myself out of the closet, so to speak. I was actually in a closet that had been retrofitted as a studio. Now I'm in what's the combination guest room and studio and office. So I've tried to make it as convertible as possible. And no, we didn't kick him out to the street. He's still happy in his room. We had some family vacation last week as I'm recording this. Part of that was the time that we spent painting his new bedroom and getting everything ready, getting it all ready to go. And then also making the studio what it is. I'm not sure if you can hear a difference to to the recording. I can hear a little bit of a difference. The sound isn't quite the same in here. So it's taking me a little bit of getting used to. I'll have a, a picture in the episode notes if you're interested in checking that out so you can kind of see what the studio looks like. It's definitely not a panoramic view. It's just a little bit of a picture, but gives you kind of a picture of what's going on. And it did take a little bit of time to get things dialed into where we are right now. I have quite a number of different things to do and some things that I'd like to do with the studio that I want to spend money on. But my wife has been kind enough to remind me that a fool and his money are soon parted, as you can read in Proverbs seventeen sixteen. She, I was talking to her about some stuff that I was thinking about spending money on. And she said, hey, you might not want to do that because you don't want to get distracted and spend money on things that would be nice to have, may even be helpful, but aren't actually necessary. And for me, I definitely don't want to get distracted from what's important about what I'm doing. With, uh, so I'm, I'm trying not to do that. There is quite a bit going on this coming weekend. My son is going to his first Cub Scout camp out. I'm going with him. So that'll take out two thirds of the weekend. It'll be a Friday night and a Saturday. We're going to leave early because I've already got commitments on Sunday. So I'm going to show up for those and take care of those. Uh, But it also reminds me of a book that I'm reading or listening to really about distraction. It's called Indistractable. The author is Nir Eyal, and I'm hoping that I pronounced that right. It's a pretty good read. It's not actually faith-based, and I'm not necessarily ready to share a whole bunch except for this, because I talked about not getting distracted. And so I wanted to share a little bit about where I'm coming from with that, because a lot of times it seems like the advice that we would pay attention to, the things that I hear, the things that I see at least, are uh, about tactically how to not get distracted. It's it's really about what is distracting you and a little bit less about the, the way that you're set up to interact with the world, the world. There's a lot about tactics and social media apps and things like that, trying to make it a habit to do things appropriately. But this book brings out that it's really important to also be clear on what what it is that you want to do and what it is that's getting you there, the things that would provide traction, because distraction are the things that slow you down from that. And if you don't have a clear picture of what's going on, of what you're hoping to accomplish, then it might not be fair to call what's going on distraction because you frankly might just lack vision. You might not be moving towards something. And so distraction is normal, although it's not really accurate to call it distraction, but being distracted, if you will, is normal if there's no goal, no vision. And so it talks a lot about that. And then also about understanding that a lot of times the things that cause us to become distracted are really rooted in pain and fear and that kind of thing. And so being kind of clear on the things that not only that you want to accomplish, but also the patterns in your life about how and when and why you get distracted. And so I'd I'd like to leave you with this question as well, just something for you to think about if you find that you're just getting distracted. And the first question I would leave you with is, 
what are you getting distracted from? In my case, when I think about the studio, I was potentially getting distracted from my goals by spending money on things that didn't need to happen. And my wife, thankfully, was able to set me on the right course. So I'm very thankful for that. But be clear on that kind of thing. What, what are you getting distracted from? And then the other thing is, if you understand what you're getting distracted from, do you see any patterns of how and when and why you're getting distracted from that? The things that cause you to do something that's not taking you toward your goals or potentially even lead you away from them. The things that if in faith terms might lead you into patterns of sin instead of patterns of holiness. What are the pains and what are the fears that drive you to that? I'll have a link for the book in the episode notes. I'll just leave you with those couple of questions. Not a whole lot more for you, but I do really appreciate you. And I hope that you have gotten as much out of the conversation with Douglas Search as I did. I hope this was really valuable for you. And I really look forward to connecting with you in a couple of weeks. 